And I mean, just like if you have symptoms and you, you Google them and then all of a sudden you have some terminal illness that you're going to die in three days. Um, it's always but, cancer. Right. But then you go to the doctor and they give you some antibiotics and you basically have a cold, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like nutrition where you can Google your things and then you find recipes that say, don't eat dairy, don't eat gluten, don't eat this. Um, when really you could go to a dietitian and I could say, hey, here are your goals. Here's your own situation. Let's incorporate foods you like. Let's help you reach what you want to accomplish. Um, and it can be a lot simpler, a lot easier, um, and definitely a lot more effective. This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpre, skincare for athletes. Whether you're in the gym, on the mats, on the road, or in the pool, we protect your skin so you're more comfortable in your own body. To learn more, go to solpre.com. Today on the show is my guest, Gloria Stoverink. She's a registered dietitian and a former Division I runner. Um, so she has a lot of experience being both an athlete and eating well. Welcome to the show today, Gloria. Thanks for having me. How have you been? Pretty good. <laughs> Any tough runs out in the uh, middle of January? Uh, all of them. <laughs> it's just hard getting out the door at this point. So are you still on marathon season right now or are you transitioning? Um, I'm kind of into triathlons right now. Okay. So I don't have a I don't have a marathon till the fall. Um, so I'm I'm spending a lot of time on the trainer actually. That's what I'm focusing on. Okay, I was gonna say the the big question is, do you go outside on the bike? What is this no, called? Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you should try. It's good for you sometimes. Yeah. Okay, so clearly we know you know you're into food, but I want to talk a little bit about running first. Um, everybody kind of comes to running from different backgrounds and for different reasons. So I was kind of curious, like, do you remember when you started running or maybe why you started running? Yeah. Um, I grew up a swimmer, so I started, um, swimming competitively probably about seven or eight. Um, so I grew up an athlete and active kid. Um, but, I believe it was probably middle school. Uh, they did all those like physical fitness tests in mm-hmm. PE class. The presidential um, test. Yeah, and... yeah. And I remember everybody dreaded running the mile. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved, that was like my favorite day of the year. And so um, I ended up breaking a couple records at my middle school for the mile. And um, my eighth grade year before high school, the cross country coach sent me a letter and said, Hey, you should come out for cross country. Mm -hmm. Um, up until that point, I never even considered running, never thought about it. I was a swimmer. I was, I was only going to be a swimmer. I was swimming college. Um, but I kind of took that and was like, well, I'll, I'll try it out. I, um, kind of thought maybe I'll just try it for the team, see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was hooked from there. So I didn't start until freshman year of high school. Okay. So your, your swimming club is a kid. Yeah. Did you continue that through high school or? Yes. Yep. Up until senior year. And then I ultimately decided to run in college, obviously. But So you didn't want to like do the Gwen thing and get offers from schools for both running and swimming? No. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Gwen Jorgensen? Yeah. Yeah. Jorgensen, I, was... I guess. I always say Jorgensen. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty burnt out of swimming at that point. And okay. so, um, yeah, running was still fresh and new and fun. So. And, uh, so, uh, you're, I, I, I know you've told me, where did you go to school? Southeast Missouri state. Okay. So we're in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Okay. I'm, yep. I'm with you now. Yep. Um, I mean, 
you know, I ran for a, a college, but not a division one program. So I'm kind of curious about like, you know, how is it in division one? Do you think it's, is there a lot of pressure for, you know, the program and to perform, Do we, you know, were you given kind of free reign, um, to, to kind of meet your own performance goals? Like how's the kind of culture for you, um, in, in like that running program? Um, I was thankfully, uh, very lucky in my coach was probably very different than most division one coaches. Um, he definitely put the emphasis on the individual over the program. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I know a lot of division programs are pretty cutthroat and it's kind of, you know, full throttle. And if you survive, you survive, if not, Mm -hmm. um, no problem. And and he's definitely not like that. So, um, ours is very individualized. Um, you know, we sat down and talked about goals together. Um, the more pressure just because we're performing on bigger stages, but never really just from stemming from that division one program. I think my coach, um, was definitely really gentle with us compared to a lot of different (laughs) programs, thankfully. So it's not like, um, there's a coach I remember who, I think it's Southwest Baptist. It was the coach there who would basically make or break runners and he would bring them in and say, we're doing hundred mile weeks and if you make it good, if not, you know, find another one. (laughs) Yeah. Too bad. Right. Find somebody else. Yeah, that's that's no, good to hear. Not. You know, mm-hmm. I I hate to hear about that kind of situation where you're basically throwing kids in and just saying, "Well, we're going to break you, or you'll make something yourself." So yeah, um, just lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, so clearly, food is big for you. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what you can you give us some insights into, kind of what food you ate growing up did your parents have a big influence on you as far as like food and nutrition is concerned yeah um I would say my mom was kind of that health nut foodie before Mm -hmm. healthy eating was cool you know um so she I remember looking at my friends lunches and while they're eating pizza rolls and pop tarts I have like whole grain bread and dried fruit as my snack um Mm -hmm. so it was it was definitely um she did that. I don't, I don't think I necessarily saw it as healthy versus not healthy. She didn't really preach that message to me. It was just, this is what we eat. This is what's on the table. Um, my parents are both very good cooks, thankfully. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I always had a really, uh, good home cooked meal every day. Um, but I think I put that connection together really early on of, okay, I'm eating all these fruits and vegetables and whole grains and I'm able to work out multiple hours a day and I don't get sick. I don't get injured. Um, I have a lot of energy where Mm -hmm. my peers and teammates aren't eating as well and they are getting sick. They are getting tired faster. Um, So I think I was able to make that connection really early and obviously it translated um, Mm -hmm. to my profession. And is that, I mean, was that the spark essentially that they kind of brought you to that decision or? I think so. Um, I wish I had some glamorous story, but I think I was like a junior in high school and my mom came home and said, Hey, I met this dietitian at work today. Maybe you should look into that. She, she deals with food and nutrition and healthy eating. And so I think I Googled it and was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, (laughs) but I think it came from my background of, we did always eat healthy. We did, um, always experiment with food and cook. And, um, so I was just interested in that really early on. I mean, we could work on your backstory. We could, you know, (laughs) I feel like Formulate we need to like work in a story. polar bear somehow. Like you went yeah. on this adventure to the Arctic <laughs> and you saw 
like a polar bear and how it ate and I don't know. We can work on it. Yeah. We can figure yeah, it out. I need we can, to we can glamorize it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Gloria actually writes a weekly kind of, I'll say, blog and recipe for us. So you can find that. I publish all her new stuff on Thursdays, um, which kind of brings us to the question. And you contribute contribute to this, I'll call it a problem or a symptom, but like, you know, recipes are all over the internet. Like, why do you think it's necessary to actually like kind of work one-on-one -on -one with you? Because I, I mean, assuming that's the ideal situation for you, that you can actually tailor somebody's diet. What, what, you know, what can they get from you that I can't find on the internet? I think the reason to work with a dietitian is exactly because it's all over the internet. Um, there's so much information out there and I would generalize probably 90% of it isn't from an RD or a nutrition professional. Um, mm -hmm. and I mean, just like if you have symptoms and you, you Google them and then all of a sudden you have some terminal illness that you're going to die in three days. Um, it's always but, cancer. Right. But then you go to the doctor and they give you some antibiotics and you basically have a cold, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just like nutrition where you can Google your things and then you find recipes that say, don't eat dairy, don't eat gluten, don't eat this. Um, when really you could go to a dietitian and I could say, Hey, here are your goals. Here's your own situation. Let's incorporate foods you like. Let's help you reach what you want to accomplish. Um, and it can be a lot simpler, a lot easier, um, and definitely a lot more effective. Speaking of the big G word, which you brought up, gluten, I'm kind of curious what your take is on, I mean, food fads. So it's like, it feels like, you know, a couple of years ago, it was everybody needs to have acai in, in absolutely everything. And then yeah. a couple of years after that, it was, okay, kale needs to be in absolutely everything. <laughs> um, and then everybody has a gluten allergy. And, and I have a friend who actually does have celiac. Right. So it's not, not that it's not a real thing, but mm -hmm. I mean, how do you, like, what, what's your take on that? How do you navigate kind of the world of food fads? Um, it's interesting. I'm writing a recipe right now um, about the food <laughs> trends. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they honestly, they drive me crazy. And it, it, it definitely makes being a dietitian harder than it should mm -hmm. be. Um, just because like you said, we just glorify a certain food or demonize a certain individual food. Um, that's really not necessary. I think my very first week of college, my professor um, said, we don't label foods as good and bad. And I think that's really stuck with me um, through my journey of just, you know, there's a place for all foods and we can definitely incorporate them into anyone's diet. And so um, all these food fads are just, it just overcomplicates it. And, and nutrition and food really doesn't need to be super complicated. It should be fun. Um, and so, yeah, the, the food fads just drive me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so how do you make food fun? Cause I mean, for, I know for us, um, and we eat fairly well, it, it is often a frustration trying to figure out, you know, what right. do I need to eat this week and how, you know, how do I take out that frustration like, and get to the point where food is fun? I think that's where, um, dietitians come into play a lot is just, um, kind of giving you that food freedom of what foods, are going to nourish me the best. Um, what do I like to cook? What is accessible for me to cook? Um, and, and working with you to decide on all of those points um, and then kind of work out a general plan. I think a lot of times once people have kind of a game plan, then it makes 
the stress go down a little bit and then you can mm-hmm. kind of experiment with what you like um, and know what's going to be the best to fuel you. So that kind of makes me think about like um, you said having a game plan and I, I feel like often because of the kind of frenetic pace that most people work at, you know, um, so it's supposed to be nine to five, but you know, that's often not the case for people. It's right. eight to six, it's seven to seven. Right. Um, I feel like the frenetic pace, you know, makes it easier to say, oh, I'm just going to grab fast food or whatever. Um, in your opinion, is there a difference between say like meal prep, like on Sunday, I'm going to make meals for the whole week versus absolutely fresh. I went to the store today, but you know, fresh produce and making something absolutely fresh today. Is there a significant difference there or is it just, I think, um, you know, anything to, to avoid that drive through, you know, whatever works for you. Um, me personally, there are weeks where I will have the whole week planned out and cooked and in the fridge. Um, Mm. and there's weeks where I barely have any groceries. Um, so I'm kind of pulling (laughs) things out of my freezer. Um, I think again, it's, it's what works for you. It's so individualized. Um, something, one of my biggest tips to help people with that is kind of create big batches of something of, of healthy items. So mm-hmm. I'll maybe on a Sunday, I'll have a huge batch of quinoa that I can, you know, I'm not eating the same thing every day, but I can incorporate that quinoa or make some dried beans or cut up a lot of vegetables. Um, just so when I am home, I can have something fresh. I can have something, um, ready, but it's already chopped and ready to go, or it's already half cooked and, and ready to incorporate. Um, so you still get kind of the meal prep, kind of the mm-hmm. still fresh food and and eating something different. I don't like to eat the same thing every night. And so that can kind of be a hiccup for a lot of people too. So that's just like, that's just an ingredient that you you so you prep and then you um, cook it a different way each night or, or I mean, how are you incorporate? Can you like give examples of how you would, your like your batch of quinoa, like how are you sure. going to incorporate that throughout the week? Yeah. So um, like I could have that be a side, just a side dish one day. So if I cook some meat and some vegetables and then have quinoa on the side, so I already have my grain taken care of, mm-hmm. um, or that could be the basis of a meal. So sometimes my meal is like quinoa and beans and veggies in a bowl, um, have a sweet potato, put some quinoa on it, put some protein on it. Um, so it kind of can transform into a bunch of different meals. Um, and then I'm not just eating like chicken and quinoa all week. <laughs> I think, uh, hopefully you agree, but, um, I don't know if you've ever watched any of the, I'll say kind of like reality TV type lose weight shows, Mm -hmm. but you you know, in past years I've watched them and it seems like often when they're trying to lose weight, it seems like the trainers will say, okay, well, you're going to eat chicken, just plain chicken. And it seems like they're almost setting them up to fail by not giving them the proper tools and knowing how to mix you know, all these things together. Like, do you, do you have, I'll say maybe a go-to toolbox? Like these are the, you know, five or 10 staple ingredients, you know, how to mix together and make five or 10 different things, or is it, you know, a constant rotation of seasonal items? Um, I would say it's, it's a mixture of both. Um, I definitely have seasonal items. Like I have a spaghetti squash sitting on my counter right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like to utilize the winter vegetables and then in the summer, um, eat a lot of the fresh fruits. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I try to do a big mix. Um, but always have, I pretty much have a lot of staples. Uh, I do a lot of sweet potatoes, a lot of like brown rice or quinoa. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I always have broccoli, always have cauliflower. Um, so I do have definitely like staples, um, but it makes it fun when you can mix it up with what, whatever seasonal too. Any like go-to spices? I know um, we are huge on like garlic or garlic salt, depending yeah. on what it is. And that's like, yeah. if there's no other spice, it's like, okay, we can try that on it. Do you, are there any flavors you're particular to? Um, I use a lot of cumin. My dad mm. um, used to travel to Kuwait when I was younger. So we always had cumin flavored things. So that's something that I um, use a lot. Uh, honestly, I'm partial to just salt and pepper, especially in a lot of veggies. I, I like to roast and just put salt and pepper on it. And I think that tastes really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing too fancy over here. <laughs> <laughs> just just kind of letting the food speak for itself. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, being a dietitian, you're very um, clearly aware that there's a large obesity problem in this country. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, no pun intended there. Um, <laughs> do you feel like, is there any um, kind of silver bullet or single culprit that you could you th- that you think we could point to and say, you know, this is the largest source of the problem? Um, I would say, I mean, it really is multifaceted of, of we're eating right. too much and we're not moving enough. I think that's the huge part of what it comes down to. Um, would I say that there's a specific food or a specific, um, restaurant or anything? No. Um, I really think it just comes down to learning to cook at home, eating more at home, exercising more, finding enjoyment and exercise. So it's not such a chore. Um, and same with food, finding enjoyment in cooking and, and preparing meals. So it's not, again, like a chore, which a lot of people view it as. Um, mm-hmm. And then it makes it easy to, to sit, sit at home and order in and, um, and then kind of starts the epidemic. <laughs> so what do you do if you have a client come to you and just say, well, Gloria, I just, I just don't have time. Like, you know, how, how do you get around that? Um, I think it, you kind of have to make it a priority. You know, everybody has time. You just have to make time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like we were talking about earlier with some people have to meal prep and they have to do that and they have two hours on a Sunday. And so we're going to cram as much cooking as we can um, where other people say, okay, I have time in the morning. I can throw something in a crock pot um, and then it's ready. Um, so really just kind of tailoring it to the individual of, let's find some time and then, um, work that in there. Or when can I exercise and, and find the time there? Um, even mm-hmm. if it's 10, 20 minutes, you know, fair enough. Yeah. So that kind of makes you curious. I mean, you know, like we said, there's all these kinds of food fads and it's one thing's hot one minute and then another thing's the next superfood, And there's always the next silver bullet, which I think is kind of a, a plague and mentality that people think there's one thing, it's going right. to, you know, solve all their problems. Um, so how do you personally decide, like, what kind of foods people should be eating, like a particular person should be eating? Um, so many options. Uh, I mean, just anything from as basic as age and gender to um, family history, food preferences, um, whether they're an athlete or non-athlete, how much they're exercising, um, just kind of looking at their lifestyle as a whole. And, um, as well as their goals, do they want to lose weight? Do they want to gain weight? Um, kind of taking all that in at once to see Mm -hmm. what really needs to be included in their diet. 
are there any uh, like are there any like client examples you could walk us through like specifically you remember this person was wanting something and that's how you set it up like could you walk us through that um yeah so i i um, worked with someone that so just a typical like busy mom busy professional mm-hmm. And, um, she just wanted to lose a little bit of weight and, um, she had time, but she didn't really like to cook. It was kind of one of those where I don't really know what to cook. Mm -hmm. Um, just feeling overwhelmed. So, uh, we worked together. Her kind of was on meal prep. That was what she was really interested in. So, um, kind of coming together on, okay, let's not eat kale just because it's good for you. Let's find a vegetable that you like. Um, which is something that I really see a lot of is, Again, they see these food trends and they say, oh, I, I have to be eating this because that's the only thing that's healthy, um, where, hey, let's healthy can taste good. You just have to find out what tastes good to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her, yeah, it was, it was mostly finding recipes, finding things um, that will work for her and her whole family. So she's not, you know, short order cook, making things for herself and then for the rest of her family. Um, so that, that's honestly a pretty common example of people that just it. it comes down to what to make, when to make it, um, how to make it, all kinds of, so I, I like, I like the food side of things, the recipes and things. Yeah. Okay. So let's pretend that all I eat is pizza, hot dogs, corn dogs, and hamburgers. Yeah. How do you get me from there to, you know, a better diet and don't forget that I absolutely cannot stand the taste of any vegetable. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a lot of high school cross country runners that I work with. Yep. <laughs> um, it's just really baby steps. Um, and also I know for, for them specifically, I have one boy who's a very good runner um, and only eats, you know, exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. He eats pop tarts and pizza and, and all of that. And Chicken so nuggets um, and yes, <laughs> mac and cheese. <laughs> um, so it's, for him, it's kind of like, all right, let's remind you of your goals. You want to be this, you know, elite runner. You want to be, um, you want to run in college. Um, and so to do that, we're going to have to eat well and, um, you know, fuel our bodies to our best potential. And so I think reminding him of his why makes it a little bit more tolerable to put in some fruits and vegetables and mm-hmm. um, real entrees every once in a while. So just baby steps, though. I, I, I couldn't go in and say, all right, we're eating salad three times a day um, because he's not going to do that and it, it's not going to go over well. So right. um, just little baby steps of let's put one vegetable at a meal or let's try <laughs> grilled chicken instead of fried chicken. Um, so it just easing into it for sure. Okay. So this is something I've noticed personally because I was basically that runner at, at that point in time and then yeah. not now. Um but I know, so I'm going to ask you for, I guess, for some validation that I'm not crazy. <laughs> I've noticed that kind of with those baby steps and trying something new, if I don't like something right away, maybe I have something I'm like, eh, it's okay. Like I could take it or leave it later right. on. Maybe I'm like almost craving whatever that was. Yeah. Do you, do you see that with anybody else or am I just off the wall? No, definitely. And And our taste buds change. So even if, like I used to hate mushrooms and now I eat them almost every day. I love mm-hmm. them. So um, your taste buds change. I mean, even like with babies, we always say that you want to try it out 10, 15 times before 
you can kind of write it off as they don't like it. So mm -hmm. same with us is just keep trying it, try it in different ways. Um, so I have a hard time when people say, I don't like vegetables. I'm like, well, have you had it prepared different ways? Have you had them seasoned different ways? Try different ones. Um, so yeah, just trying different ways, um, but it does change. Your taste buds definitely do change. So how do you get over like the mental blocks? Like I know personally broccoli makes me want to vomit and I mean that I mean that in a physical response kind of way like I put it yeah. in my mouth and I literally gag so if you were going to try to convince me to eat broccoli you're going to be running against a stone wall so like how do you get past that mentality with people to say you know I, I want to be state champion or or whatever it is that you know they want to yeah. do they want to lose weight or whatever their goal is how do you get past mm -hmm. that kind of like stone wall mentality I won't try that uh, it's, it's hard when you won't try it. So I like for you, if you said, I, I'm going to throw up if I eat broccoli, I would not make you eat broccoli. Um, it's, it's good for you, but it's not that good for you. You know, there's so many other options. Um, but for someone that's just adamant, uh, it, it's kind of, it's almost goes into psychology part. Um, mm -hmm. even in my degree, I had to take psychology classes because food is just, it's a lot deeper than just food, um, for a lot of people. And so, mm -hmm. Uh, kind of working into the why are you so adamantly not eating this and kind of what's finding out what that roadblock is really because it's probably not about vegetables um, and if if it is then we need to find different vegetables you know I'm not going to make you eat broccoli <laughs> yeah yeah um, I keep losing my train of thought doing well today um, <laughs> so uh, I guess one thing I'm curious about is I know, I don't know if you've read uh, Joe, Joe Friel's triathlon training Bible, mm -mm. but in there and in, I'm sure in uh, Matt Fitzgerald's racing weight as well, it's probably in there. Mm -hmm. um, so specific books for endurance athletes, they'll talk about the kind of protein requirements for athletes and how they vary. And um, you know, since we're trying to build muscle, whether it's, lean or bulky depending on the kind of athlete proteins right. you know kind of central to our needs so i'm kind of curious what what you think the guideline is if you have kind of personal experience with yeah i need this many grams or or if you have an opinion on kind of protein intakes for athletes um i believe the the actual guideline is 0.8 to 1.2 grams per kilogram um, don't ask me to do that math right now, <laughs> but, That's fine. um, so it, it usually, I usually say it comes down to probably like 20 grams per meal. Um, mm -hmm. and then some with snack as well. Um, again, it's super individualized. So like I'm a small cross country runner. I don't need as much as a big football player. Right. Um, so kind of finding out those calculations and, and that is something you probably could Google. Um, mm -hmm. that's, very few things of nutrition that that will be accurate on google but um yeah finding out what's actually you need because uh, some people will just pump protein 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 where right. um if your goals are not to gain muscle or gain weight um you probably don't need that much so that's interesting because you're basically going to work out to roughly um without doing the, the super math like a half <laughs> half gram per pound since we yeah. I mean, in the u.s we use pounds so mm -hmm. i like to convert it there and i know i've heard several 
I'll say like high level Olympic level athletes say um, a gram per pound of body weight. So right. I just it's I like to kind of see different people's opinions. Um, it, so it seems like uh, your emphasis is a little bit more on the micronutrients than strictly like this one macro that has to be this particular way. Yeah. And I think just looking at your diet as a whole too, instead of just, you know, people say I'm an athlete, all I need is protein, Mm -hmm. um, where it definitely, you do need quality protein for sure. Um, but you also need quality carbohydrates and healthy fats and fruits and vegetables. Um, so it, it, it doesn't really do you justice to just focus on one thing, especially protein. <laughs> do you feel like there's um, a, like a particular food or maybe like micronutrient that affects kind of how your brain functions as, as far as, you know, being alert, being awake, being ready to like put your full effort forth. My kind of emphasis lately and for a lot of the podcasts is like the mind body connection. So clearly food has an effect on both of those things. So I'm kind of curious if, if you think there's, again, I asked for a silver bullet, but I, it's always more complicated than that. You know, right. what do you think affects kind of your, your mental state? Um, well, your brain runs on carbohydrates, uh, which a lot of people don't know that. And so that's why keto is so popular right now where you're really starving your brain of fuel um, and mm-hmm. of carbs. And so having those quality carbs and making sure they're spread out throughout the day. Um, So just like I work with diabetics and we teach them to vary their carbohydrates throughout the day to keep their insulin level um, stable. And really, I would say anyone needs to follow that of kind of space out your carbs um, just so you're feeling alert and awake all day. Um, Saying that, there also is a lot of research with the gut and how that um, ties to your brain as well. Um, so keeping your gut healthy with fermented foods, um, kefir probiotics, um, all of that is, is definitely ties into your overall health, especially mind and brain. I had like three questions. I gotta try to get these all like down in my head. That's okay. Um, so thinking about like, 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 gut flora, gut, gut bacteria. I actually read something the other day along the lines of immigrants to the U.S. It's like, I can't remember the number, but it was the, the short version was that the gut bacteria that they had prior to entering the U.S. Um, and then post being here for several years it was drastically different. Like it, it seemed like their gut bacteria essentially gets nuked being in the U.S., do you yeah. know, is, I mean, do you know anything about that? Do you, do you have a guess what would be happening, why that happens? Um, I, I don't know about that specific um, topic, but I would say just because they're probably used to eating whole foods, raw foods. Um, and then, you know, we just have a lot of processed things, which in my opinion uh, contributes a lot to our, our decreased gut. Um, I know sugar uh, doesn't do our guts much health. <laughs> um, so just more more whole foods is probably the the thing there okay a minute ago you had mentioned you know that you know your brain runs on carbs you need good carbs um so are you telling me that i need to like go out and get a donut in the middle of the day or like <laughs> what, what what should i be eating um anything whole grains even fruit is a carbohydrate um so and it's not like you need to eat 
a sandwich every 15 minutes, but mm-hmm. um, just spacing it out to where there's, you know, maybe 15 to 30 grams at, at breakfast and the same at lunch and the same at dinner. Um, and, and anything with whole grains, anything with fiber is going to be your best bet um, for that carbohydrates. Okay. Okay. Seems fairly straightforward. <laughs> um, so, you know, your dietitian, which means you can strictly speaking work with anybody, but is, is there a preference if you just got to pick one type of, you know, niche or person, is there somebody you like working with more than somebody else? Um, honestly, anybody that's motivated is my favorite, um, mm-hmm. because you do have people coming in with their feet dragging, um, which is not fun. And then it's, it's more of the psychology part in the, um, just getting them to have motivation to change, um, where I want to talk about food and nutrition and, and that fun stuff. Um, so anybody that's really motivated and excited to make a change, um, which I do see a lot with athletes just cause I feel like we're naturally more motivated than the normal, um, population. So yeah, anybody that's ready to put the work in, um, and excited about it. Do you feel like those, those clients that are motivated, does that, does that motivation taper off or, or does it kind of stay like stay with them as time goes on? Uh, I think it's, it's kind of human nature to lose motivation if you're not seeing results. So mm-hmm. as long as they're seeing results, usually they're still motivated. Um, but it, I mean, it's pretty typical that you'll see a plateau at some point or, um, you know, you'll see your race results are similar or something. Um, so it's, it's hard to keep that motivation up, but again, just remembering your why, remembering your goals, um, usually helps keep them on track. So that, this is something I think about from time to time, and I, I refer to it as a, a bag of whys. I'm actually going to do a video on this later, but you know, you're coming back to remembering your why. Mm-hmm. I think about it as a whole series of whys because one why, for, at least for me, isn't enough. Maybe I want to be, you know, state champion, but I really feel terrible today, and I just I don't care about that. But maybe I care about something else. Right. So I'm kind of curious, like, what you know, what was your whys? I mean, you were seemingly a, a good swimmer, you know, growing up, and then you changed to running. You're burnt out on swimming, changed to running. Like, what was your motivation? I guess, and, and you know, how do you how did you get through high school and you know four years of Division One? Um, I think with running, my favorite part is that it's individual and a team. And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of individual goals, um, time goals or place goals, um, or standard goals that I wanted to meet. And so that was a lot of motivation, but anytime that tapered or, or it didn't, it wasn't holding out for me. Um, you also had team goals. So just doing the best you can for your team that day, showing up to mm-hmm. practice for your teammates, um, which makes it a lot easier when other people are involved. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say just my own personal goals and then and keeping the team team goals high. So so now that you know, I'm assuming that you're not part of a team anymore. Okay, so how I mean, how do you stay motivated now that the college is over? And it's it's you know, as you can tell, my lights on here because it's getting dark already, and it's it's only yeah. five thirty. <laughs> you're yeah. across the state. Um, so I know it's probably getting dark where you are as well. Yeah. It's dark. It's cold. It's windy. You know, how do you, how do you stay motivated to, to deal with that when you don't have that accountability with a team and, you know, for all intents and purposes, 
your times don't really matter even you know right to, to anybody besides you now like how, how do you stay yeah. up yeah <laughs> um I I think it's still pretty new to me so my motivation is um still high at this point just because mm-hmm. post-college I switched to marathon so that was something new um and I still I've done three and so I I still have a lot to learn and a lot more goals I want to accomplish. Um, and then triathlon, I started completely new post-college. So, um, that's still, it's still kind of like exciting and new and fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it, the motivation is definitely still there, but, um, yeah, days like today and and the winter season are hard. Um, but just, just remembering that, um, I still have my own goals to accomplish and, Mm um, it kind of has turned from, a sport to a hobby. And so it, it's become just more fun as well. So uh, if you don't mind, are, are there, what specific goals do you have right now? I know, um, was it, was it November you ran your marathon, the last marathon, or was it earlier yep. than that? Yeah, and November. you PR there, correct? Yeah. So what, I mean, what's, what's on the docket right now? Like what are, what are you chasing at the moment? Um, I'm hoping to break three hours in the marathon in 2019. So at my, at my next marathon, that's definitely my big goal. Um, where were then, you this, what, where were you time-wise this last November? 302. Okay. So I'm right close, <laughs> but just still chasing that. Um, and then a bucket list is just to, to complete a full Ironman. So I've done a half, um, but a full Ironman is definitely on the list. No, no big deal for Kona. Just any Ironman will do. I don't know. <laughs> the half was was quite a feat. So um, yeah. yeah, I think I'll do any of them for now. Do you have any scoped out? I know some people will say, "I want a really flat one," or yeah. like, "I want to go." Like, I'm gonna use it as you know, because they are somewhat costly. Both the race right. fee Definitely. and the travel and mm-hmm. getting all your stuff there. Um, you know, is there a race you picked out, like, oh, I'm going to go to Florida, or I'm going to go to Cos. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about Ironman Arizona. Okay. And so my best friend lives there, so I, I've been definitely thinking about that one. Um, but there's been a couple in the Midwest, like Wisconsin or Oklahoma, mm-hmm. that I've seen good reviews on. I'm definitely on the fat, fast and flat category <laughs> of <laughs> wanting to race, so... Um, but yeah, and, and it's one of those things where I might only do it once, so I'm okay to mm-hmm. travel or, or go big with it. I haven't looked at the Arizona course, but that might staying with a friend is always good because then you know yeah. you've got backup. You know, if your yeah. husband can't come to right. the race, then you know you've got somebody there. Somebody help me gonna, out. Yeah, who's going to cheer you on every two hours or whatever when they <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when you pass by. Right. Uh, uh, you might look at. Texas. I've been down for the 70.3 there. It's the same course okay. next to the coastline for the bike course all the way through the cool. run super flat. Well, not super flat, but pretty flat much enough. flat. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I guarantee you've run way, way hillier courses that people called flat in, in college. Yeah. So yeah, the run doesn't scare me. It's just the bike that, <laughs> that I would like to be flat and, and easy. Are you still riding a mountain bike or like I have a road bike. I do. Um, but first step, baby steps. Yes. Yes. I have a trainer. I've got the whole setup, but still not, I would not say I'm a biker by any means. (laughs) How long, how long have you been, um, doing triathlon now? 
Uh, I guess two years, maybe. Okay, so um, your ceiling's still probably pretty high. Oh, yeah, and definitely not anywhere serious. Um, I, I've been pretty committed to marathons, so the mm-hmm. triathlon's just kind of a fun fun it's extra. Like so maybe one day that'll be, yeah, maybe one day it'll be the main focus, but um but yeah there's definitely a lot of a lot of room for improvement (laughs) it's a you know maybe i'll get your opinion on this as kind of newer to the sport so i've I've been in triathlon i think 10 years now um so I, i it's hard for me to see the differences i know when i came to triathlon it was like a very friendly warm community and i know cross country's always been kind of similar but it seemed like even more upbeat coming into triathlon like yeah have did you have you had that kind of experience or like what kind of experience have you had coming to the races that you've done so far for sure um i would say triathletes are very intimidating i think just the gear and the works um make it really intimidating but um yeah definitely everyone's so nice i think just endurance athletes in general are just really nice and welcoming and helpful um I've joined our local tri team um, mm. and the same. Everyone's just willing to help, willing to teach you um, and, and just happy to be there. So mm-hmm. it almost seems like to me, it's like, well, we're all going to suffer together and we're yes. all doing it. So we <laughs> yes. might as well be happy beforehand. Yep. And be friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I'll, one last question for you, and I, I seem to be asking this to everybody, even, but it's more pertinent for you. Um, if you only get to want, eat one thing for recovery for the rest of your life, uh, what do you choose? Mm-hmm. I'm really tempted to say pizza just because I love pizza. Um, that's not that's not very dietitian of you. Like, I, no, I, I feel, it's I feel not. like <laughs> I'm a bad dietitian. <laughs> you got to come up with a better answer than that. Um, I would probably say like Greek yogurt, um, Greek yogurt with any kind of mixings. I think that's something that just always sounds good after a workout. Um, so not super exciting, but you know, sometimes you work out and food just doesn't sound good. Um, but Greek yogurt just always does. So usually yogurt and like some nuts and berries and stuff is always good too. If I remember right, that's what the, uh, the peanut butter recovery mousse is based off of Greek yogurt. Yeah. Or am I am I off on that? I can't remember if it was Greek yogurt or cottage cheese. One oh, it was cottage cheese. Cottage right. cheese, yeah. Okay, I don't, I that was my weird combination. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a recipe you can check out if you're if you guys are interested. It's on the the blog soulpreneur.com slash blog. Um, Gloria, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and wants to work with you personally, how do they find you? Um, probably Instagram would be the easiest one. I'm just runner dot rd. Um, and yeah, happy to talk. super easy thanks for coming on today Gloria thank you